0: And that brings us back to chapter 28, where in verses 1 and 2, God is reaffirming, of chapter 28, reaffirming the sacrificial system that he's given to the children of Israel. Now, he gave them the sacrificial system there at Mount Sinai some 40 years before. He did the census, and everyone over 20 died during the wilderness wandering. They're on the back end of the wilderness wandering now. They're on the plain of Jordan. They're about to go into the promised land. Everyone that's over 20 has passed away except for Joshua and Caleb. It's a new generation. The new census was done. It's the reset for a new generation that's not the one so much coming out of Egypt, but the one that's entering into the promised land of Canaan. And in this backdrop, we're right on the cusp of Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy, Moses expands the law, expounds on the law for over 30 chapters. And I cannot wait to get to teaching Deuteronomy in here in just a few weeks. But still here in Numbers on this historical narrative, in the last few months, we read about, of that wilderness wandering, how after these victories over Sihon and Og and these things, as they're all there, that God reaffirms the sacrificial system in a summary. Now, the book of Leviticus is a a more detailed account of it, but here in 28 and 29, there's These two chapters are part one and part two, a reaffirmation of the daily sacrifices, the weekly, the monthly, and the seasonal sacrifices for the nation of Israel for their entire existence with him in their covenant known as the Mosaic Covenant. So with this backdrop, we read the beginning of this reaffirmation in verses one and two. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, command the children of Israel and say to them, my offering, my food for my offerings made by fire as a sweet aroma to me, you shall be careful to offer to me at their appointed time. This is the introduction to these two chapters. And as we went through these chapters Tuesday night, verse by verse, we saw, I encourage everyone to look at certain words that jump out, and some of you certainly did that, and I pointed out the ones that stood out to me. But from this opening statement where God says, command the children of Israel, say to them, after he says, be careful to offer to me at the appointed time, he says it, later on in verse 19, talking about the Passover, he says, be sure that they're without blemish. So we're told to be careful to offer to the Lord at the appointed time. And then we're told in verse 19 to be sure that what is offered is to be sure that they're without blemish. And then in verse 23, we get this statement, you shall offer these besides the burnt offering of the morning. So tonight, as we think about the commandment of the Lord concerning the sacrificial system for the nation of Israel, which always points to Jesus, we see the statements, be careful, be sure, and besides. And we want to focus on these three phrases tonight in the fullness of their sentence structure, the context of their verse, and the overall panoramic view Of these two chapters with this reaffirmation. So again, picture the next generation. They're a younger generation. They were all under 20 when the spies spied out the land. They've grown up in the wilderness. They've been born in the wilderness. And they're they're just a younger generation. And it's their time. They've they've waited for the opportunity, and it's their time, and God is reaffirming to them: look, I told the previous generation, this is what you'll do when you get in the promised land, or even in the wilderness wandering. They're gone, now I'm telling you. So God doesn't change, right? We're told that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And of course, in the context, this is the Mosaic Covenant, and we are in the New Covenant, and the Mosaic Covenant is a shadow of things to come, but is fulfilled in the life, the ministry, the death on the cross, and the rising from the tomb through the life of Jesus Christ, his ascension to the right hand of the Father, and the promises of his soon return. We understand that. So contextually, we know that we're looking at a different covenant, the Mosaic Covenant, but it's a shadow of things to come. So all these animal sacrifices that are encompassed in these two chapters, they all point to Jesus one way or another. And in the sacrificial system, God was very deliberate and very varied in what he did. So in these two chapters, reviewing what he says and what we study verse by verse Tuesday night, he emphasizes, first of all, the daily offering that there was a daily offering in the morning and in the evening. There was an animal sacrifice in the morning and the evening, which just points to us that God has a daily experience. God's a daily walk. The atonement and the covering for our sins and forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and give us as they are daily bread. It's a daily thing to walk in the consciousness of God from sunrise to sunset. Jesus sought the Father early in the morning. David said he'd seek the Lord early in the morning. David said he meditated upon the Lord in the nighttime and the night watch. We know that Daniel, he three times a day was his custom to open the window and face Jerusalem and seek the Lord three times a day, morning, midday, and evening. We can presume that was the template that he followed. Jesus told us to abide in him, and he'll abide in us, for apart from him we can do nothing. We are meant to have a daily dependency upon the Lord. So in the sacrificial system, the daily sacrificial system, was our need for the Lord daily, which Jesus affirmed clearly In John 15 talking about I'm the vine you are the branches if you buy to me you'll ask what you will and I'll answer those prayers and you'll bear much fruit and as he went in the context of the Mosaic covenant where Moses covered the daily sacrifice twice a day then he went to a weekly sacrifice the Sabbath sacrifice which was in verse 9 so once a week there was a Sabbath sacrifice that's different from the daily sacrifice not to be confused then in verse 11, there's a monthly offering. So every time you start a new month, there was an offering as well. So you had a daily offering, twice a day with the Lord. Then you had the once a week offering on the Sabbath. Then you had the monthly offering. And then you had the special offerings of the feast. So Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, they go together. First of First, first fruits, Pentecost. Then you have t- the Feast of Trumpets, Tabernacle, excuse me, uh, Feast of Tabernacle, Yom Kippur. So the Primary feasts were in the spring, and then the latter feast was Yom Kippur in the autumn. And these feasts were very different. Think about this, because we need to lay this foundation for us as we think about the application for us tonight with be, be careful, be sure, and be, you know, besides this. That these feasts were different. Passover was you're saved by blood. You're under the blood. And unleavened bread is you've got a sanctified life. You're set apart. That was the lesson of Passover. But first fruits is a lesson. It's like, God's our provider. Like, we acknowledge the Lord with our first fruits. First fruits is a completely different lesson. We're under the blood and we're set apart with Passover and Feast of Unleavened Bread. But first fruits is like, hey, God's our provider. He's our provider. He's going to take care of us in all things that we ever face. He's our provider. He's, He's the one. Give us this day our daily bread, the Lord's Prayer. He is our provider, and first fruits tells us that. So that, hasn't to do, that has nothing to do with blood and sanctified life. That has to do with like looking to God as our provider and the provision for our life. He feeds, like Jesus said, he clothes the, he feeds the birds of the air, and he clothes the, the lilies of the field, and he's, he's got us. So don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll wear. All these things the, the, the non believers worry about, but you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added unto you. But then the trumpets is moving toward, the feast of trumpets is moving toward really the kingdom age and then Yom Kippur is a a solemn feast it's a it's a time of affliction we're told in the context here later on if we had gone verse by verse so that Yom Kippur is affliction it's not under the blood although blood was involved in Yom Kippur the scapegoat the two scapegoats but it's an affliction, it's, it's, a, it's like a confession of sin. It's, it's, it's taking inventory, it's making things right. It's not getting saved and being under the blood, it's going forward from being under the blood and getting the forgiveness and cleansing that comes from that position. We have faith in Jesus Christ and we're declared righteous. In Adam all sin and die, but in Christ all are made alive. So we pass from death to life, because if anyone be in Christ or a new creation, all things have passed away, all things are new. So that's what it means to be under the blood. We've passed from death to life, positional righteousness. But Yom Kippur is more like the practical righteousness where we don't live a perfect life and we have an ebb and flow and we make mistakes and we don't do what we should do and we do what we shouldn't do. And so there's that forgiveness. And Yom Kippur speaks of that sinful nature that we all wrestle with. As First John says, if we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us and we're a liar, but if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us from our sins for our, our, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So Yom Kippur is that once a year we go like, It's like the fresh start. It really is the reset with the Lord. That's what it represented. So these feasts were very different. And again, the Feast of Trumpets would speak of like when the kingdom age comes and righteousness covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. So all these feasts in these sacrifices had different meanings. They had different purpose. They had different symbolism and application to the people of covenant. So keep that in mind as we think about the application overall from these first couple verses. So let's go back to these first two verses with that in mind of chapter 28 where the Lord says, command the children of Israel and say to them my offering, my food my offerings made by fire, sweet aroma to me you shall be careful to offer them to me at their appointed time. And again verse 19 be sure in the context of the Passover that they are without blemish. And then again verse 23, you shall offer these besides the burnt offerings. So The offerings are all about the Lord. They are from the people of covenant to the Lord. According to the commands of the Lord with variation, day by day, twice a day, once a week, a distinction, once a month a distinction, and the different holidays in the springtime and in the autumn. And they all had a purpose. And they all had distinct details. Even the next chapter, 29, had the distinction of the bulls. Remember Tuesday night, how the bulls, they start out with this many bulls, they end up with that many bulls, over seven days during the tabernacle offerings with that associated with that feast. So now as we come to this, we realize it is... There's been a new census. There's a new generation. It's a reset. They're even gonna have a new president. Everyone loved Moses, right? I mean, if you can't trust Moses, who can you trust? He's like FDR or something, right? I mean, he's just he's just a great president. Like Moses, I mean, he got mad at the rock, and we know the story there and all that. And but I mean, Moses, like, how do we replace Moses? But Moses, he's gonna die on the mountain on this side, and the new, there's a new commander-in-chief Joshua at the highest level there's a complete change of leadership in human government under God's government for these people that gets my attention new census new generation new leader a new census a new president new leadership right I mean seriously like you understand what I'm saying but they were under a covenant with God we're not America's not under a covenant with God so you need to make that distinction right away. This is, but we can relate to this. Like, you're like, well, I like Joshua. I didn't like Moses. He seemed like he got mad pretty easy, right? He's the old guard or whatever. Like you just, yes, these are human beings like us. They're people of covenant like us. They had different opinions about Moses. They had different opinions about Joshua. They had different opinions about Eleazar putting the job on through the couple caught in adultery, right? Like they all got different opinions, just like we do. And they talked about it in their tents, just like we do in our cars or whatever. So what do the people of Covenant do? Well, I'll tell you one thing. You can change the census who's in it. You can change the generation who's being counted. And you can change the president. But you know what? You can never change God. And you can never change his law. So let's make that clear right now. Because chapter twenty and 29, it doesn't matter if Joshua's leading him or Moses leading him. God's law is the law. And God's word is the word. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So all these other things can change. God doesn't change, and his word doesn't change, and his law doesn't change. So for us, as we think about the body of Christ going forward in 2021, nothing's really changed because we're under the lordship of Jesus Christ. His word is a lamp to our feet, and his word is what guides us. And we're saved by grace, and we're walking by faith, and we're trying to grow and be fruitful and faithful, even, again, as Jack was leading us in worship and some of the things he's praying for us. That's us. Those songs are very, that's the great commission that we're singing about. So let's think about these three things. Be careful to offer to me at their appointed time. Be careful. Be careful. That's a pretty strong word, isn't it, right? Verding, be, be careful. Like your parents like, hey, be careful when you're driving dad's car to the, you know, the first day at work when you're 17. Say, hey, be, hey son, be careful with the car. Or, you're, you know your daughter's going away somewhere like hey going away to college hey be careful make good decisions you know when you're leaving them at the dorm that kind of a thing be careful or when you have a newborn and everyone wants to hold the newborn and mom's like mom doesn't want to let you hold the newborn like you wonder why and if you even get a chance to hold the newborn it's like hey hey be, hey, 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 be careful or you surfers when you got a new surfboard hey hey hey, hey be careful You know, like, you put, you know, there's more, more dings happen putting a board in and out of a car than in the water. That's a, that's a fact. Okay. And for me, I got all those free surfboards for all those years. But, you know, about 20 years ago, I had to start paying for surfboards again. I mean, sooner or later, it goes that way for everybody. And uh, first time I had to buy a surfboard again, since I was a teenager, I spent like 200 bucks. It's a great deal. You know, like I got it for the price it cost Mike Barron to make it. But you would have thought we'd brought home a new baby. I brought home a new baby from the hospital. Because I mean, that, that, Mike brought me that board, it was like 15, 16 years ago, with and I was like, oh, oh, hey, 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 Timmy, hey, Timmy, don't touch the board, man. Like, I, you know when we say you, it cost you something? I paid $200 for that surfboard. I used to break them for free, like go through boards like there was no tomorrow back in the 80s, like, no, listen. In 20, 20 you know, 2008, I'm like paying 200 bucks for a board. Like, no one touches that, hey, be careful. That's the idea, be careful. We think about different things, be careful. Hey, be careful backing up. That's, we have ideas in our mind, be careful. So God is saying, be careful. Not with the baby, not with the surfboard, not with the china, or backing up the car, or going away to college, or whatever. He's saying, be careful to offer to me at the appointed time. So, Offer to me at the appointed time. So it's interesting because there's actually almost like two applications here. Be careful is one, but in the context, at the appointed time. So he's saying, be careful to do what I'm calling you to do at the appointed time. Be careful how you handle the board. Be careful when you back up. Be careful to make sure you do for me at the appointed time what I've told you to do. So on the daily sacrifice, in the morning, in the evening, be careful to do it. On the weekly sacrifice during the Sabbath, be careful to do it at the appointed time. At the monthly sacrifice, when you turn your day planner over on Monday to February 1st, hey, be careful to do what you do on the, so on that Monday, it's like you got the daily sacrifice, morning and evening, and you've got the monthly sacrifice, so pay attention and be careful to do what I've instructed you to do, commanded you to do at the appointed time, and we talked about this on Tuesday night as well, but For some reason, I feel like the church in 2021, or particularly 2019, in 2020, it kind of sifted that through a little bit. But we like suggestions. We like principles. Seven principles for your godly life. We like to be, you know, on... Mission with certain things. Or we want to be intentional. Like, we should be intentional with these verses. Like, no, we need to obey these verses. And intentional might be the same thing for somebody, but it might be something completely different for someone else. Like, intentional for some people would be like, well, optional. I should be going after my goals. I should be on a diet. I should be saving my money. But, you know, I'm intentional, but sometimes I do what I don't. That's not commandments. God hasn't changed, and his word hasn't changed. And even though the context is Mosaic Law, Old Testament... The principle of the idea is like God's like, "Hey, be careful to do the sacrifices that I've given you at the appointed time." So we'd ask ourselves in the body of Christ tonight, what should we be careful about? Like, if we're what, what careful at the appointed time? Well, from these sacrifices, chapter, 20, 29, we know that the relationship with the Lord is 24 /7. So be careful to keep abiding. Be careful to seek the Lord in the morning. Be careful that other things don't take your attention first. Be careful that news on TV or news on the internet or news on your phone or emails coming in or texts. Be careful those things don't supplant the place of the first love of Christ first thing in the morning in our lives. Be careful you do the morning sacrifice and that precedes anything else that's coming. I cannot stand it when I'm just trying to get my morning devotion going and you get the ding, ding, ding on a text or something. It's like, what is it? Is it something for dad? Is it something for my sister? Is it something with the church? He's like, you know what? It it can wait. And we're learning that. That is to be intentional. Be careful to keep the appointed feast. So the principle in the New Testament would be, be careful to keep the first things first. And since Jesus is our sacrifice, that we might have the relationship and abide in him, we need to be careful that we keep Jesus first at all times, as best we can, proactively, day-to-day in our relationship with the Lord. Be careful that Jesus goes to work with us. Be careful that Jesus is in the car with us. Be careful that Jesus comes home with us. Be careful that Jesus is with our lunchtime conversations. Be careful that Jesus is with us in our best moment and our worst moment, because the day will bring both. Be careful to keep Jesus in the permanent place, or as the Vineyard song written 25 years ago said, Jesus be the center of my life. Be careful to keep Jesus in the center of our life. We talk about being saved by grace. We talk about living by faith. And we talk about having a relationship, not being religion. So that's all the more reason for people who say that, who are saved by grace, living by faith, that we are careful to really live that by abiding in Christ. To be careful to keep the Lord first every day, morning and evening. Be careful to keep the Lord first on on the, the Sabbath day, the special day. That church is important. There in the book of Acts we read they gathered on the first day of the week, which would have been Sunday. They took the old school Sabbath, which was fulfilled by Christ on the cross. And what the church is that Sunday's our day because it's the day the Lord rose from the grave. And so we're going to gather, no matter what's going on during our week, and we might be gathering house to house and these different things, but no matter what, we're going to meet in Solomon's porch is how it began in Jerusalem on the, on the Lord's day. Not on the Sabbath when all the Jews are meeting, but the next day is our day. And we're going to meet in Solomon's porch and we're going to praise the Lord. We're going to study the apostle's doctrine. We're going to pray together. We're going to strip love and good works. Thus, within one generation... As the New Testament's coming forth to us from that early church, we're told, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves, which is the manner of some, but all the more as we see the day approaching that we get together and we stir up love and good works. Be careful to stay in fellowship. Be careful to keep church important and other believers. Be careful to take the extra steps to be proactive in being engaged in the local church and being engaged in the body of Christ. Be careful to keep the appointed feast at the appointed time. Be careful that Jesus is Lord of the morning and Lord of the night. Be careful that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath day. Be careful. Because some people, they take a Sabbath from the Lord, not a Sabbath with the Lord. So if we're driving on the tent with all of our toys to head to the desert, if people still do that, be careful Jesus is going with you. Make sure he's in the boat. He's with the jet ski. Don't, don't, don't leave him in, you know, Barstow. <laughs> right? Don't leave him in Palm Springs or wherever, you know what I'm saying, the 15 or the 10, like be careful. You start a new month, you turn your day planner, be careful Jesus is over that appointed time. When you look at a month in your day planner like I do, be careful that it all belongs to the Lord. Every day belongs to the Lord. When you look at the schedule in your day planner, whatever you use, be careful that Jesus, the appointed time is his time. Be careful. That he's Lord of our time. And you older people understand that we know the greatest resource we have as we get older is not, it's not money and it's not even energy. It's time. Time takes on value because you're on the clock. You're on the clock and time's ticking away. That's why Paul said to redeem the time. The older you get, the, when you're younger, money has value, more value. But as you get older, energy and time has more value. Because you're losing energy and all the wealth in the world, you know you're going to leave behind. So time is the greatest asset you have, and the great, it takes on a much greater value. Be careful. To keep the appointed time, and this is what the Lord put on my heart today thinking about this. You know, it says something about appointment in Hebrews, also another place in Hebrews. It says, it is appointed unto men to die once, and then the judgment. It's appointed to, for men to die once. We have an appointment in time, which is our last day in time. And so when the Lord's like, keep the sacrifices, keep the feast, he's saying like, hey, keep me first, keep my word first, keep my priorities first, let my heart be your heart, and, and don't, don't drift away as it says in Hebrews like so many do. Be careful. Don't let our love for the Lord be dull. Don't let it be like it says in, uh, to the church of Ephesus in Revelation with the seven churches that you've left your first love. Like you can defend doctrine, you stand for what's right, you hate the deeds of Nicolaitans, but the Lord says, you left your first love. Like we got to be careful not to leave our first love. And I think most of us are doing really well on this, but this is the application, so we need to look at it and consider it. So be careful to keep the appointed time. For there's a point unto men to die once, and then the judgment. So we have an appointment there. So I would encourage us as we think about, as we continue to go forward in this new year, and the new year is now getting traction, we're just careful to make sure Jesus is Lord of our time. All of our time. Not some of our time but all of our time. And the sacrifice of Christ for us on the cross and his victory of the resurrection is our righteousness and it's our inspiration to just be faithful. And having done all, stand. Time. Appointed. Faithful. Stay on point. Stay on point. And then we see, be sure. Now we come down here to verse 19, where it says, it's, it's in the context of the Passover. It's talking about the two young bulls, one ram, seven lambs. Be sure they're without blemish. Now, this phrase is used again later on in the chapter on the Feast of Weeks. Be sure they're without blemish, verse 31. And then again in chapter 29 in verse 8, be sure they are without blemish. So this phrase gets used three times. I just cite the first time it's used in the context of what we're looking at here. So be sure they're without blemish. So be careful is one thing, but to be sure is another so let's think about this second point. Be sure they, that's the sacrifices, are without blemish. Now, since we don't offer up sacrifices, we know that Jesus is our sacrifice being saved through faith. So we don't have to be sure that Jesus is, is an acceptable substitute, propitiation on our behalf. The Bible makes that very clear. So whether we believe it or not, Jesus is a sure sacrifice in our place for the redemption of our souls is very costly So we, but in our own heart we want to be sure we want to know that we're saved by grace we want to know that we're saved by faith we want to know as it says in 1st John that the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're his we want to be sure we don't want to be moved from a, uh, a firm foundation to a faulty foundation 1st John chapter 5 affirms that as well it's like you know that we're firm that we know who he believed in and we're persuaded he's able to keep that which you've committed to him until that day Just firm be, be sure we want to be sure Christ is a rock. So, of all the sacrifices of people apart from Christ, whatever they think those sacrifices are, whatever sacrifices they make, be it religiously or how they choose to live their life, those are not sure sacrifices. Jesus is our sure sacrifice. That's why we're told to look unto Him, the author and finisher of our faith. We're sure. We're sure and who we believe in, and where we're headed with Jesus. And all the promises, as we say, are yes and amen. We're, sh- we're sure of that. We should be sure of that. We're certainly sure of that here, and we want to impart that vision and that faith and confidence to you. We are sure that they're all yes and amen. But in the context here, it's the sacrifice. So Christ is our sure sacrifice without blemish. We're told that he is like a lamb without blemish. We know that, and we know he fulfills this. So he is the perfect, acceptable sacrifice. He died once for all, as Hebrews tells us in the New Testament, and we're sure of that. So we have this positional righteousness because of who he is and what he's done. And so from that sureness, we are to live the life, the victorious life by the life of the Spirit through faith in Jesus working in us. For it's God who wills and works in us for his good pleasure. And there should be a a confidence. We're not hoping for victory. We're, we're coming from victory. Now, if you've got a world religion and you're following different world religions apart from Christ, you're hoping for something. And I can tell you right now, you're not going to get it. But we're not hoping for something that we're going to attain. We are hoping in something that has been accomplished that we've received and there's a sureness in it. So we're not hoping for victory. We are coming from victory. And we will see when we step into eternity, even our perceived defeats and failures will look like nothing in the presence of the Lord and His glory and the redemptive process He has setting His Spirit upon us as a seal of the inheritance. We will be totally triumphant and it won't be like we're in eternity and, like, and be a defeated heir to the throne of Jesus Christ, with Jesus Christ, Romans 8. We have full victory. And so be sure... That that they are without blemish. Christ is without blemish for our sacrifice. We're saved by faith, that through grace. Saved by grace, that through faith in Jesus Christ. We're sure of that. We need to be sure of that. It's not Jesus plus something good we're going to do in 2021. Or Jesus minus something bad we did and it all unravels. We need to be firm in our conviction of a positional righteousness like promised and expounded in Romans and Galatians and other areas of the New Testament of our faith in Jesus and then we need to move forward from that. We're to fear no evil. We're to fear no men. We're to fear the Lord and obey the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. And we're, to be, we're not to be an arrogant people, but a confident people. Whatever God wants to do in our life, in this brief journey of life, it's him working in us for his good pleasure. And we can be sure of that. And I want you to be sure of that. I want all of us to be sure that what God wants to do in our life He's gonna see it through. And I want us to be sure that whatever disappointments and heartaches we've had in our journey, that he's over that. And he's bigger than that and he's got a plan in that. And the worst news that we could ever have that would be like, wow, is God really on the throne? He's on the throne. He died on the cross for our sins and rose from the grave for our hope and justification. He is on the throne and he ever lives in new for us and he's coming in glory and he's steering events on this planet. And he may not steer them the way I want him to or you want him to or my neighbor or anyone else, but he's steering them according to his perfect righteousness, his perfect plans, his perfect will, and the redemption of all things in this universe. That's what he's steering him toward. Isn't that comforting? I'm sure of that. Are you sure of that? Like, I'm like, sure. So hope that's an anchor to the soul, we're told in Hebrews, our faith in Jesus. Be sure or without blemish. So let's expand this a little bit because we're told to be sure and our sureness is in the Lord. But also this sacrifice is interesting because we're told that these sacrifices, they are without blemish. So, be sure when we do bring the sacrifice without blemish. But since Christ already is a sacrifice, we got to come back to Romans 12, where it tells us that we're to present ourselves a living sacrifice, which is our original service. So, our life is the sacrifice that we present back. And it's not a dead sacrifice, it's a living sacrifice. So, again, we're sure in who He is and what He's done, He's without blemish. We're walking in a position of righteousness because of who he is, not who we are. But we are a living sacrifice. And we're to, I would say, I think there's a reasonable application to go forward uh, to be above reproach. That, you know, we want to live a life that's above reproach. I mean, 2020 taught us, like, trying to find, like, how do we obey the Lord in such difficult times and yet be faithful and be above reproach? Where do we find and who's sufficient for these things? It's like Jesus said, be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. And wasn't that the church for 2020? Like, wow, it's so challenging, 2020. Be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. And I think we're all learning what that means. But as we think about Christ being a perfect without blemish, so there's no defaults, or we would say no lame offerings to the Lord. They were not allowed. Then we think about what we're doing for the Lord, how we're thinking for the Lord with the Lord, how we're living with the Lord Jesus Christ, and the actions that we take is we need to be sure in him, and we want to be committed to quality, because if you think of without blemish, that means it's a quality offering. Pastor Chuck Smith used to always say, don't bring your junk to Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. We don't want your junk. The Lord doesn't want your junk. We don't need your junk. Don't bring your junk here. Now, there's lots of places you can take your junk, all right? I'm not going to tell you where to take your junk, but you might have some thoughts in your mind. People will take your junk, right? But don't bring your junk to Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. And that was that was in his heart. He used to say that a lot. Like when there's a church rummage sale, like, and uh, no, don't bring your junk. You know, God doesn't want your junk. And bring, bring quality. And if Jesus is an offering without blemish, then we think our life, how we think, how we speak, how we care ourselves, how we react, what we do, it should be quality. It should reflect kingdom quality. This is what I say about when we're worshiping the Lord in church. Because for some people, worship comes naturally. Singing, the context of singing, there's lots of worship apart from singing, but singing and worship is, I remember Pastor Chuck again one, one time saying that you, you want to sing and worship in church because you're practicing for heaven. When you get there, you don't want to be like a country bumpkin that doesn't know what to do in, in that place. So, like, when Queen Victoria invites you to the, to the palace, the Buckingham Palace, like, you are trained on how you, you know, which silverware you use when you sit at the Queen's table. Like, you want to show up and everyone's praising in heaven, like, oh, I, I never quite figured this out on earth. You know, so, so uh, you know, like, that kind of a thing. And So for me, I just think, like, of course, we were told not to sing last year. I'm like, no one tells me not to sing to Jesus, right? I'm going to die on that hill. But really, they sing in heaven. They're praising in heaven. And like, so when we're singing, and sometimes you feel like singing, sometimes you don't. You know, I understand. But when we're singing, since I'm going to go to jail for it, I sing with a little more fervor in 2021 than I did in 2019. And also, it's like we're preparing ourselves for eternity. I'm preparing for Revelation chapter 5. With the 24 elders singing, worthy is the Lamb. That's what I'm doing. I'm preparing, and so are you. Now, we're all a little different. We all express ourselves differently. We've set aside that time to clear our minds from all the distractions and set ourselves on the kingdom. Quality. That's a quality offering. Whatever we do, we do it as unto the Lord. We're told in Colossians to do it heartily as unto the Lord, not unto men, knowing that from the Lord we'll receive our reward. We've raised our children... And now we're imparting it to our, great, to our grandchildren that we want to do things right. There's a right way to do things. There's a right way to handle things. There's a right way to act. There's a right way to respond. It's quality. Jesus, the offering, the sacrifice was, was without blemish. And our sacrifice without blemish. And he's working in us, his character. So it's not like we're perfect, but like it's quality. Like we don't want to bring lame offerings and junk to the Lord. We, we kind of are that, you know, we're crackpots, if you will. But as we let God work in us, it's like we want to do a quality job. Like our yes is yes and our no and no is, which is actually what verse 30, chapter 30 was on Tuesday night. But like that's just quality. People can count on us that when we say we're going to do something, we're going to do it. And not only we say we're going to do it, we're going to do a good job. Or as we taught our kids all along, under promise and over deliver. Under promise and over deliver. And our kids, my, my boys say, you know, Dad, they over promise and under delivered. That's not, but they would say, oh, hey, you like this guy, dad. He under-promised and over-delivered. You show up on time, you do the job, you do it right, you finish the job, and you do this unto the Lord. That's a quality offering. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, if we're offering up a sacrifice without blemish, and we're living sacrifices, well, that's just a, a pretty basic application that we our words, our actions reflect the quality of the kingdom life in how we're approaching things and doing things. So whether it's in the family life or in the neighborhood or the community, people are like, man, I really respect that, that woman because just how she carries herself in those difficult situations. She just she doesn't she doesn't lose composure. She just kind of keeps her wits and she just stays on point and quality. The Lord is the master craftsman, and we are His poema. We're, we're like his work of art so he's working a work of art in us and he wants to show the world a work of art which is his spirit working in and through us in how we think, how we talk, how we carry ourselves, how we act, how we react in the close circle the people we live with and share the journey with and the people that know us on the outer circle, it's kind of like a target, red, orange yellow, green, blue, as it goes out, we just want people to be like well that's quality, like, and these people like they do a great job That's who we want to be. Be sure without blemish, Quality. How we approach things in faith, humility, in giving our life service, that we make commitments, we keep those commitments, and, and people appreciate who we are. And then finally, the third thing is offer these besides the burnt offerings. Again, this is these offerings related to Passover, and they're separate. So the distinction is you shall offer these besides the burnt offering of the morning. So again, the Lord's like, don't get confused. This doesn't substitute the morning offering or the evening offering. This is distinct and separate. And that's noteworthy because God's given details. And so I would point out to us here these offerings besides the burnt offering. So not to get confused, but there's distinctions of Sacrifices. And this got me thinking about, again, the purpose and the context. Because God starts out with two daily sacrifices. He goes to a weekly sacrifice that's separate, a monthly sacrifice that's separate, and then these holidays that teach us different things. And as we think about distinctions of sacrifices, my mind immediately goes to even like how we're all different. There's a couple different distinctions that come to my mind, and maybe you're thinking the same way, but as we're told that God's given, we know that God's given us all different talents and skills and interests. And we're all unique. We're all we're all different. Like, we might be similar in some ways, but we're unique and different in our personalities, our likes and dislikes, and our interests. And we are. And we need to understand that that's part of God's design. As he had different sacrifices for different purposes, he has different people with different gifts and different skill sets for different purposes. And I've been trained as an Olympic coach and trained with coaches at the highest level and coach athletes at the highest level. You realize that, especially in team sports, how what makes great... Team sports is not superstars, but great, great athletes in the right fit with other great athletes that are team players. I Also to go back to, like, if you know your sports, back in the early 2000s when the Lakers had Kobe, Shaquille, Gar- Gary Payton, and Karl Malone. On paper, they had the first super team you ever saw. I was like, we're just going to crush everybody. And they lost to a team from Detroit. They didn't have one person whose name I knew as a Laker fan in, like, 2003. And it was like such like, how does this happen? But it's the right people with the right gifts in the right placements, executing according to the team. Or as John Wooden say, there is no I in team. Coaching cliches, if you know sports and coaching, there's no I in team. I used to put that, pull that one all the time. There is no I in team. Even though surfing is basically an individual selfish sport, but we always competed as a team trying to win world championships. So I would emphasize that and you realize the distinction. And, and part of being like a, a leader or a pastor or a boss or anything of that nature is learning to appreciate the different skills and interests and diversities of different people and how they work together to bring about uh, a flow of how things are accomplished for the kingdom of God. So whether it's classrooms at Calvary Chapel schools or it's a marriage and the differences of two people in their marriage and how they are or just... A church, pastors, deacons, ministry team, there's distinctions. If there's distinctions in sacrifices that are very noteworthy, then since we're all living sacrifices, there's distinctions in our lives and what we're called to do and what you might be called to do as a man of God be completely different than what God's calling the other man of God to do. We, we don't measure. It's not ours to determine. Like Jesus said, who you determine what, what goes on with the servant of another master, of the master? But we respect that. So I read this and like, well, since there's distinctions of sacrifices and it's written out that we don't get lost, I don't think it's a stretch to say that we need to understand there are distinctions of our personalities and our gifts and stuff and that we want to respect that and flourish in that and find our place in the local church, to find our place. Worship generations find its place in the Calvary Chapel movement. We're finding our place in the body of Christ. We're perpetually doing that. We're, we're, we're fluid. You know, it's like, how do we work with the Calvary Chapels in Russia? How, how can we help these Calvary Chapels in Africa? How can we do this? And how can we help these other people that have nothing to do with the Calvary Chapel and work as part of the universal church and be a blessing to them and work this way? It's, it's all a journey. So besides the obvious things, there's diverse things. And we need to understand that and respect that. The diversity of humanity and the diversity of gifts and callings in the body of Christ. But the last thing I want to point out about this that, that gets my attention in A bit more in the context here is that the different sacrifices by the day, by the week, by the month, and by the season is that, and the purposes of these sacrifices in their seasons, how these seasons were different, like I covered earlier, is how even in our society, we have different experiences in different seasons. If you think about the American way, we have Thanksgiving. Almost everybody loves Thanksgiving. Although it's hard if you've lost loved ones, of course, Thanksgiving is a very hard holiday when you face it for the first time without loved ones that you've lost since the last one. But Thanksgiving, we're generally thankful, and the world copies us. And like I mentioned the other night, the world most of the world celebrates Thanksgiving in American holiday because we don't own the, we didn't corner the market on being thankful. Okay, like people, you know, want to be maybe thankful to the, the universe as you know atheists would be, but they're they want to be thankful and they want to express it. And Thanksgiving. Now Christmas. I said this before, people, some people attack the church for celebrating Christmas because it comes a merger of a pagan holiday and whatever. I don't even care. I celebrate Christmas as an American citizen because I love Jesus, and this is when we celebrate it. And to the pure all things are pure, and to the defiles nothing pure. So if someone's got a problem with Christmas, Christmas trees, Christmas lights, and like that, that's their business. I don't. I love Jesus. i got to Nativity blow up in my front yard this year. And you can love it or hate it, but this is who we are. And, and to us, all things are pure. To the pure, all things are pure. Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And Jennifer, ha- pretty happy. But then what do we get? We get, well, America, we get Valentine's. It's like, okay, we celebrate love and all that. Okay. Then you get Good Friday. Now, Good Friday is not like Christmas, is it? It doesn't feel like Christmas. Whoever went to Eastern the Meadows on Good Friday with Pastor Chuck and felt good about Good Friday... Like, you're going to Good Friday because you're going to sing songs. It's, it's a holy convocation, as it said, of, of Yom Kippur later on in chapter 29. It's like, it, you will afflict your soul, it says of Yom Kippur in chapter 29. Good Friday is like afflict your soul. Like, Good Friday is a, a somber day. Like, it's, you know, like growing up Catholic, you know, I mean, we didn't eat meat, right? We ate fish or whatever and all that stuff. I forget. But, you know, the point was, hey, this is not, this is not a happy day. is isn't Christmas. Eat fish you're a naughty boy at seven, (laughs) you know, like, kid, you're naughty, I know, I know, I'm (laughs) not, you know, (laughs) like, that was the idea, you afflict your soul, you know, my mom just kind of helped the process in her own Catholic way, but the validity of it is, like, that's what it is, and then Easter, we celebrate, yay, Jesus rose from the grave, we'd go to those sunrise services, whether it was at St. Patrick's or whether it was the base chapel or the base football field, we'd do it, and you know they'd have the Catholic sunrise service. They're all different. Memorial weekends like this, for the Julys like that, and Labor Days like that. These are the main holidays, and for us in our human experience, we have different emotions with these holidays as American citizens. Some have a religious implication, some have a national implication, but they're they're benchmarks that do what they take us through a year. See. The 4th of July parade in Huntington is kind of blended in my mind now since the first one I went to, which was so special. I didn't ever do. They had the parade in Huntington until like 2011. I was like, this is amazing. How do we not know for 10 years ago, it's an incredible parade. And Hannah's like, I told you, Daddy, they have a parade on 4th of July. So we went to every single one after that. And they kind of blend together. But I'll never forget 4th of July, 2020 on our bikes with no one at the beach and the beach closed. See, I'm not going to get confused I remember that 4th of July. That one's going to be really clear and probably this one. And what happens with these holidays for us is what happened for them with their holidays. They give us timelines and memories of God's hand on our journey as we go through the journey. My last Christmas with my mom, and now my first Christmas without my mom. The Christmas cards, I've saved all of our Christmas newsletters and all of our Christmas cards we ever did. The family photos that you send out, I've saved all of them. And our kids grew up. They grew up in Virginia and Vermont. Then they grew up in Cardiff. And then they grew up in Costa Mesa, and they got older. And you know the Christmas cards are like school pictures, right? They get older each year. And then pretty soon, there's not one big family photo, but there's different pictures of the different families because they're spread out in different parts. There's distinctions in sacrifices, and there's distinctions in holidays because there's distinctions in emotions in the human experience every year. Christmas in 2020 is not the same as Christmas 2019, nor is it meant to be. In other words, what I'm saying is the distinctions of these sacrifices and these holidays kept everything fresh and moving forward with benchmarks that you're moving along and life is a vapor. And it's basically Ecclesiastes chapter three, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to gather, a time to throw, a time to hug, a time to refrain from hugging, a time of love, a time of hate, a time of peace, a time of war. That's what it is. That's what these holidays are because it doesn't just muddle together. It's like, no, this is every day. This is once a week. This is once a month. This is seasonal. This is seasonal. And they did it year after year after year. And three times a year, they'd head down to Jerusalem to celebrate those three feasts. And the kids got older each year. You didn't have to carry them anymore. Distinctions. Besides the burnt offering of the morning. The distinctions of people. The distinctions of the timeline. The distinctions of the human emotion from weddings to funerals. theres distinctions. We're not robots. We're personal we're people creating God's image, and our emotions are distinct. Our personality is distinct, and the timeline is distinct, and everything's distinct. And God doesn't want it to be ambiguous. He wants it to be deliberate and absolute in our life. So I'll just close with this thought. Besides this offering, keep that one. In other words, enjoy the journey. Keep everything fresh, unique, and real with the Lord. We're not pastoring in Virginia Beach. I'm not pastoring in Vermont. I'm not going to Bob Boutser's church at Horizon North County in 99. I'm not at Calvary Coast with big Pastor Chuck anymore. We are here, and we're not here with Brian Jameson as we were in 2005. We are here with who we are. Raul, Raul Diaz, our former youth pastor, he sent me a, a photo this morning. Early text. I was like, before devotion, I'm like, oh, boy. And it was Raul Diaz. And he had a picture of when he was ordained as a pastor five years ago this day. And it's such an awesome photo. And the picture of the pastors and the deacons, some are still here, some are not. It's distinction. It's a photo in time. It's a moment in time of who we were five years ago when Raul Diaz was ordained as a pastor at Worship Generation. That was then, this is now. You see? But it's all under the command of the Lord, and it's all to him. So I go back to verse 1 and 2 and read what he says. These things are commanded. It's my offering, it's my food, it's my offering, and it's to me. And you'll offer it to me. And isn't that what we do with our lives? Isn't everything what we're doing? It's from the Lord, of the Lord, by the Lord, and to the Lord. And in that is the fullest purpose and the only purpose of our existence. He's the potter, we the clay. So praise the Lord and enjoy the food tonight.